0: Welcome to the Thriving Artist Podcast, an educational feature of the Clark Healings Fund for Visual Artists. The Clark Healings Fund exists to provide business training and entrepreneurial learning to visual artists to turn working artists into thriving artists. Sending our appreciation to Jerry's Artarama for supporting CHF and this episode of the Thriving Artist podcast. Jerry specializes in art supplies and framing. You can find them online at jerrysartorama.com and at 17 retail locations across the country. Jerry's passion is to serve artists. They're on Instagram at, at @jerrysartarama. Just a brief announcement that CHF has just released its annual report. This is our highlight reel, providing a quick hit of high dosage insight into how we're unlocking the staggering potential of a world driven by creativity and connection, a world fed by artists and innovators. The summary of our fulfilled and fully delivered promise to mobilize your support can be found at clarkhealingsfundorg reports. Now, our guest today is Ashley Longshore. New Orleans-based artist Ashley Longshore has never waited for industry gatekeepers to open doors for her. She's a wildly successful self-made entrepreneur, owner of the Longshore Studio Gallery, and two household name Instagram profiles. Her collaborators and partners are a who's who of upscale brands and celebrities. Diane von Furstenberg, Bergdorf Goodman, Gucci, Rolex, and even Miley Cyrus. Her collectors are an equally name-droppable group, including Blake Lively, Penelope Cruz, Salma Hayek, and Eli Manning. Ashley's been described as a modern Andy Warhol for her pop art sensibilities. Rizzoli New York has recently published her second book, I Do Not Cook, I Do Not Clean, I Do Not Fly Commercial. Ashley Longshore, welcome to the show. woo
1: I'm so excited to be here and to share my experiences with your audience.
0: Fantastic. So, is that book title true? Do you really not do any of those three things, cook, clean, or fly commercial?
1: Uh, I cook, I clean, and I would give anything to be on a Delta flight right now. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't know if this is your intention with the title, but it's, a, it's powerful to suggest that a visual artist doesn't have to have an identity that involves either starving or cutting off an ear, that you can flaunt your success and so on. So what's your take on those old stereotypes about artists?
1: Oh, well, I think I think you're misunderstanding where I'm coming from. My whole mission is to put out there that artists are entrepreneurs that there is no limit to your success and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be financially successful. The idea is that you get to a point where your your profits are coming in, people are engaging with your artwork, you you have that intimacy within your collector base, and you've got enough money in your bank account to make any idea that you have in your brain come to fruition. To me, that's the ultimate goal. Um, it's sort of also this play on, you know, the old school trophy wife that, you know, the best thing in the world was just to be able to sit back and have everybody else, you know, pay for all your stuff. But to me, the dream is to make your own money. That's where the power is. And artists are the ones to capture history. Artists are the ones creating tangible items that are marking our human experience. So, um, you know, that can be as big or as little as you want it to be, but this is why creativity and artists are so important in our society.
0: Someone would call you a celebrity artist. Is it fair to say that you were left no choice other than to become a celebrity artist, either after or because, you know, the tastemakers in the gallery world initially rejected you?
1: I mean, I think in America, it's really great because you have the opportunity to make your own path. And when I was told I wasn't marketable, I decided to build this all on my own. And although it wasn't the easy way, it was the better way because I understand my audience understand my engagement. And, you know, I, I've i been able to build friendships that led me to great opportunities. Those opportunities have led me to other extremely successful creative people. So, um, you know, whether that means I'm a celebrity artist or not, I think it just means that I, after 25 years, I've been able to um, finally meet a group of people who've also had great success as being creative, authentic people.
0: Do you think that rejection from the art establishment perhaps isn't actually all that common, or or do you not think that?
1: Am I allowed to use profanity?
0: We'll have to bleep it out.
1: <laughs> the establishment. F*** uh, what anybody else thinks. Uh, you know, you go after it, you cut your own path, you do what you have to do. Uh, you know, I've been turned down more than a bed in a cheap motel. Rejection is part of what's gonna happen no matter what you do as a creative person, as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur. You have to have a strong inner voice and know exactly who you are and know exactly what you're creating because I promise you, you are going to be rejected. You are going to be told that you're no good. You're going to get criticized. You must not thrive off of that type of attention, period.
0: Ironically, I often hear that that the celebrity artist, if we could put that in quotes, uh, is a designation for the few that make it via the traditional route. Uh, but you made it because you turned away from the traditional route, if there is one. So once you did that, uh, did anyone tell you anything about how to start a business or did instinct or trial and error sort of play a role?
1: I mean, I have created what I've created on instinct alone. And, you know, it, it, it's like artists know how to use tools. They know process. And early on, when I realized I'm not going to work with galleries, I'm going to create my own system. I'm not going to give up 50%. I'm going to keep 100% of my profit margins. I'm going to build a business. When I realized that I needed to hire people based on the demand of my work, you know, more graphic designers, more photographers, more salespeople, um, you know, that there's a lot of, uh, Of power in that. I mean, I, I just knew that I was going to do this my own way, no matter what. So um, that's the thing. You just, you find your own path and you, you go for it. Uh, It it is very instinctual. I mean, um, you know, now I'm in a position to hire people that have a lot of experience in operations and whatnot. I mean, I have a lot of employees now and I don't want to be a manager. So um, it's, it's
0: exciting. You mentioned to our producer that growing a business is like the slow and steady progress of termite mounds getting bigger over many years. What are some of the small steps involved in doing that?
1: I mean, listen, I mean, you know, I've gotten to where I've gotten. It's taken me 25 years to do so. In the beginning, honestly, being as prolific as you can be, understanding your inner voice, being able to figure out how to be kind to yourself when you're not completely inspired and on fire. Uh, You have to have, again, that strong inner voice of, I can do this. I'm going to be okay. It's all right that I'm not inspired right now. It's it's all these little uh, inner thoughts of positivity and optimism that you've got to start Building that wall inside of you, because as things start to, as the more you put yourself out there, the more open you are to criticism and the and the bullshit from the world. So, um I would say that is the beginning. Also, I mean, I talk to lots of artists now that, you know, they're like, Ashley, you have all these opportunities, you've got these collaborations, you've got these collectors, and I'm like, yes, but let me tell you about how beautiful, the part of my career was when all I had was time for my creativity when I hoped the doorbell was ringing, when I hoped the email was dinging, when I hoped my phone was ringing off the hook, you know, and now it's a whole nother process of time management and the things that I need to do so that I can honor my creativity, be there for my team, run a business, have time for my collectors, have time for these podcasts. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, a balancing act. So, you know, you have to experience, you have to enjoy every single part of this process. And again, there there is no instant gratification in success like there is in creativity sometimes. And being an artist, having an idea and being able to paint that idea quickly, having the materials that I need, that, that's a very euphoric thing. The success that you need, that you want in your career is going to take more time going to take more time but it'll be worth it gotta be patient
0: so you employ a team of 30 people you're a job creator and we make that argument at the clark healings fund quite frequently that successful artists do create jobs do contribute heavily to the economy can you tell me a bit about that workforce what they do why you have so many and how they like their jobs i'd kind of like to get a reality program view of that world
1: I have an incredible team they're all they're all very artsy creative individuals uh, but I have photographers I've got uh, a team of multimedia liaisons that help with all of the glitter application and the dazzling I have a sales team I have a special projects coordinator I have um, a publicist I have uh, a gallery manager that watches my gallery showroom floor I have um, a manager that oversees all of the multimedia um, goodness. I have uh, people that help with product fulfillment and making sure that all of our certificates of authenticity and all of those things are put together for all of our collectors and that everything is shipping appropriately and safely. I mean, you know, there's a lot of layers to this. It's it's like an onion, really. I have um, a, a person that just specializes in Shopify that helps me with my manufacturing. I have a head of manufacturing. I have sourcing people that are helping me when I go, hey, I have an idea I want to do um two special edition cookie jars, you know, ev- every year. Um and then I've got a sourcing person that helps me find uh the right artisans that can help help that come together in my vision. Um then I have someone that helps me run Orgasm. So, you know, as the demand has gone up, I've been able to hire this incredible team of um creative inspired, enthusiastic, uh, gracious individuals that are proud to be a part of a team that's really making moves in the art world.
0: Last we counted 288,000 followers on your main Instagram, 58,000 on a second one. And it's a huge sales platform for you. Uh, One could say size matters, but you didn't get there overnight. And there were some punctuated moments of epiphany. So tell me about the time when you sold $1.3 million worth of art in 45 minutes on Instagram.
1: Which time do you want me to tell you about? (laughs) (laughs) Your pick. Um, You know, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I think I see see young artists pulling prints of their work when their paintings are only $2,500. And I think, damn, you know, people spend a lot more than that on handbags. And we are talking about art. We're talking about a luxury item. And that doesn't mean that all art has to be a million dollars. But I think when you look at your career, you have to go, well, if I'm pulling prints and I'm making t-shirts that cost $20 and iPhone covers that are $15, wh- what am I saving? Why am I not figuring out my audience? Why am I not going in with the idea that, my goodness, you know, pe- people spend a fortune on Shoes, I mean, a pair of high heels can cost $1,800. Boots that women buy cost $4,000. And I mean, no, not everybody is buying that, but also not everybody is an art collector. You know, being able to collect something uh, that somebody, you know, they're taking their spirit and putting it in a place where you can actually buy it and live with it, That that is a very euphoric, exciting, very luxury type of thing. Um. Through, you know, thinking about my work in this way, I've always known, you know, I'm not going to pull any prints right now. Prints are the ultimate insurance policy. I'm not going to go out and dilute my brand by having my work in a bunch of different galleries. I'm not going to take the products that I am making that are limited edition and allow other stores to sell them. Because if I do that, I'm diluting the impact that I can make and the demand when I make releases. And the idea is, here it is, it's coming, if you want it, um here's the link. You get on there and get it, because this thing is going out to a lot of people and you gotta you got one chance to get it. And it's just basic, you know, laws of economics, supply and demand kind of thing.
0: You have a subscription series also called Artgasm, where I think collectors pay a fee monthly or annually to get hand signed items from you. How did that idea come about or was it uh, to market to a specific demographic of buyers
1: well yeah i mean in in, in what we were just discussing and me not making prints and g clays and all of that sort of thing, it is it, it's a way for somebody to and and we do you can make monthly payments so you can buy the five hundred dollars subscription all at once, but I have fun if for for me to take one of my painter's palettes that you know is the foundation of all my work and to have it signed. And send it out to an artist. This is something that's going to improve in value. I mean, can you imagine if you had one of Andy Warhol's rollers from his screen printing? I mean, you know, not again. Not everybody is ready to make that entry-level investment of you know three thousand dollars to my artwork, but maybe they have fifty dollars a month or five hundred dollars a year to get these extremely limited edition cool things that i'm creating specifically so that they go up in value it really honors the idea that you know um what artists make are are special like for example do you remember when andy warhol made that book of one dollar bills and i think it was it was a hundred and eighty one dollar bills but then the cost of the book was $360 just because it had his name on it and it was like he doubled the price of it just by saying you know because he put it together you know artists are special we only have so many days on this planet to create so you know it's nice to have a platform that isn't prints and g-clays and you know stuff there's other creative ways to get out there in business um you got to be creative with your marketing as you are with your artwork
0: So. Uh... I think you own your own galleries. You didn't make your, you're not on the back of galleries, nor are they on you, but you own your own. And although obviously the, the pandemic has paused most in-person art transactions right now, other than some COVID graffiti I saw near the subway, tell me about uh, your bricks and mortar gallery in New Orleans. Clearly the physical space is still an important part of how you show your work. So what's different about selling online versus in-person?
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing, uh, my marketing strategy, um, has always been to be reaching out to bigger cities and, um, you know, look, I love New Orleans more than anything, but we don't have a huge entrepreneurial base here that has a lot of new money that's constantly buying new stuff. We're a city that lets the good times roll. We celebrate art. That's why I love being here. But I've really centered most of the majority of my marketing efforts in much larger, wealthier markets. Because of that, uh, the majority of the art that I'm selling, eighty, eighty-five, ninety percent of it has always been, you know, uh, getting leads in from social media, getting people that had seen my work in New York shows in Houston, things I've done in San Francisco, Miami, London, even in Shanghai, that, that, you know, I'm trying to create that engagement from doing all that work. So now during this quarantine, I've got these followers, I've got this base, this strong email base, I've been growing for years and, you know, I can post a new painting and boom, you know, people already know what they're going to get. The other thing is, and I say this all the time, you could see a cake image on social media. Well, yeah, it looks delicious. It looks great. How often does that thing
0: look worse?
1: How often does that cake look or, ta- or you know, w- w- once you finally get it in front of you and you can drag your finger to the icing, it's even better than it was in the photograph. So I've never had a situation where somebody received the artwork and they were disappointed after only seeing it in a, in an image. I think the most important thing is is creating creating that energy and that inertia to let your buyers know now is the time to collect. And you do that using the media, using social media, using events. You know, continually being prolific building building you know it's not social media is not just the answer having one art show is not the answer it takes years of putting you know lots of lines in the water the more lines you have in the water the more fish you can catch period
0: most artists i'd probably ask who are your collectors and how did you find them but it seems like your collectors find you uh is that accurate or actually are you still hunting your public and if so how
1: are you kidding me? I mean, listen, every time I create a new series and I put it out there for people to see, there's, you, you, there's always new engagement. There's always – I mean, how many people are on the planet now? Nine billion people? Ten billion people? I mean, I haven't even begun to reach all the people that could relate to the message that I'm putting out there. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing that's exciting. As an artist – Regardless if you're a sculptor, an abstract artist, a photographer, a painter, no matter what your subject matter is or what your style is, you are putting out your own life frequency. And the magic is, is that other people out there are going to connect with that. If you're willing to put yourself out there and allow that magnetism to happen, when you, when you do that, it's a magnet for people all over the place. So, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm always out there looking for more people that love me. You can't ever stop putting yourself out there and hunting for those new collectors. Um, fortunately, once you get to a certain point though, you know, you get your art in houses, you can post images of that, you have events, you're, you're working the media, you know, it creates a big net and hopefully you, you get that magnetism from people who are like-minded in their life experience.
0: Uh, specifically focused on, you know, some of the celebrity collectors, Uh, what's the Blake Lively story? How did she become such a brand evangelist for your work?
1: She's just a very kind, uh, talented person who really, really loves the arts, and so does her husband. And uh, she was filming a movie um, down here in New Orleans years ago, and I feel comfortable telling you this because she she's already told the story. I'm, I like privacy, you know, with with my collectors. But um, she came in and and you know she she got it. She 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 loves my artwork. She loves color, and um, she's very much a lady and very much a woman of her word, and has just been very very good to me over the years. Very enthusiastic about my work and who I am as an artist. So. You know, that that magnetism can happen with anybody that walks into your world
0: who's a collector. And partnerships with big brands and institutions, including your 40 works in Diane von Furstenberg's flagship store and being artist and resident at New York Fashion Week and creating eight portraits for Christian Siriano's show. One would think companies like Rolex don't just collaborate with anyone. So what about your work, your brand, your presence do you think attracts the fashion industry in particular?
1: I think because I'm an enthusiastic self-made woman and when you put somebody out there who is created their own business, understands what they want as a consumer, it, it, it sends a message and you know, I, I have built my brand. I have put myself out there, but I am also a consumer and, um, I work hard for the things that I love. I mean, it's, it's also, you know, the the things that I do, I do them with enthusiasm, I do them with gratitude, and um, I think I think that energy is really infectious. Um, I also work my ass off. I work quickly. I work my team, and um, when I'm given a huge opportunity from a billion dollar global corporation, I will work myself to death to make sure that I not only produce, but I overproduce, and I blow their doors off. I mean, I live for that moment when they go, you did what? You did all this? You made these PDFs? I mean, I've walked into huge corporations and they've gone, have you done this before? And I'm going, no. And they're like, wow, you, you put together something that our entire graphics team, it would take them a month. Um, it, you know, It's all about earning that opportunity. Nobody's ever given me anything, so I've had to work for it.
0: Now you posted on Instagram on February twenty-fourth that only thirteen point seven percent of living artists represented by galleries in Europe and North America are women. Is that because women are being shut out or are there disincentives to enter that field for women or some other reason in your opinion?
1: You know, I mean that's that that's a that's a serious, uh heavy conversation to be had. I got that fact from this great um Instagram feed called Art Girl Rising. And You know, it's kind of like even when I was in the Vatican looking at the largest privately held art collection in the world, and I asked the woman, where is the art by women? And she looked at me, and she said, there is none. There is no art created by a woman in the largest privately held art collection in the world. Um, I don't know if it's because for so long women – weren't really allowed to express themselves uh, creatively in history. I don't know if it's because in our own country, women were confined to being in the home or secretaries or nurses. I don't know if it's because we're just now in this unbelievable awakening of diversity, authenticity, and being able to put yourself out there and use all this American freedom that we have. But what I know is this, the more female artists that go out there and that, that make their money, that are putting themselves out there, uh, the more power we have over the other female artists that are being seen. And, um, you know, this goes along with artists from diverse backgrounds in our country. I mean, it was just a few years ago at art fairs that I started to see paintings of women of color, that I started to see, uh, you know, black artists that were being brought into these uh, art fairs. Look, now is a great time to be an artist. I think a lot of this also has to do with social media. And in uh, using social media, you know, you can control your own message. You can control what you're putting out there. And the world sees it. there's so much talent, so much creativity and again, it's it's every human being expressing their own version of their life that creates this unbelievable web of creativity that we're living in that marks history. And um you know, I'm not a pessimist and I'm not a negative person. I'm not going to sit around and talk about the fact that, you know, Oh no, they're not letting women in. No, I'm going to work really hard and, And, uh, you know, I'm building a pyramid right now. I want to have a huge foundation. I want to have a space where I can showcase female artists and, um, you know, artists from diverse backgrounds, artists from underrepresented communities. I want to have a platform where I can do that. And the harder I work and the more money I make, the more power and control I have over that. So I mind my business and work hard and stack that paper up instead of sitting around and whining about it. I do something about it.
0: I think a lot of people in ordinary times, but especially at a time like this, have a story or a narrative playing in their head. I have to do X, Y, or Z to get famous. Uh, I have to do X, Y, or Z to be successful, and I can't win until X, Y, or Z happens to me. But you seem to have a take take the bulls by the horns approach. If you could speak to... Well, you say the
1: horns, I got in somewhere else.
0: (laughs) There you go. Well, if you could speak to your earlier self about taking action, getting off your chair of perhaps pity, insecurity, demoralization, putting your verve into action, what would you say to that young artist uh, newer in her career?
1: Listen, here's the thing. You've got to start off by You know, success is so relative. I can tell you right now that success in my career, I feel the same way right now when I sell a painting to somebody that I have to refer to as Her Excellency as I did when a housewife would buy one of my paintings for $50 23 years ago. When I got that $50, I can't tell you how good that felt. And that felt like success because I earned it on my own. You've got to enjoy the moment that you're in you cannot always be looking forward to something else if you set a goal to be able to have an art career where you can pay your rent by groceries and by art supplies let me tell you you are successful that is the beginning of your success you must find out how to be your most prolific you must find out who your audience is you must have that strong inner voice of, I believe in me, everything's going to be okay. I I sent 10 emails today. Nobody emailed me back, but that's all right. I emailed them. I made three calls today. You know, if your mission is to get into galleries, l- l- look at them as a business relationship. They work for you. If they believe in you, you ask them to purchase that art at 50% so that you're not having to keep track of your inventory. Think about yourself as a business person and respect yourself and be kind to yourself, you are the only person you will spend every day of your life with. Your success will begin with a healthy inner monologue so that you can deal with the rejection the world is going to serve you. You are going to get rejected. They are going to tell you you cannot do it. You must say, I will succeed. I can do this. Start off with a goal like, I want to make $200 this week. I want to make $200. How can I get creative with my marketing? How can I find out who my audience is? You know, start with that. Start with that. It's the little steps. No instant gratification. Instant gratification gets you drunk, high, or pregnant, period.
0: Putting percentages of your sales back into the culture, namely around the current pandemic and recession, and those relief efforts include the art can at New Orleans Children's Hospital, New Orleans Women and Children's Center, Project Lazarus, and other things. Has your financial plan for the year had to change a lot to make those things happen?
1: No, no, because I was simply making donations based off how much my collectors were supporting me in the hopes that I would be able to do that. I mean, being able to um, take care of my team, make sure that everybody was able to pay their bills and and I could keep everybody exactly where they were before this pandemic. Um, I had to restructure my marketing a little bit um, and putting some smaller pieces out i I just kind of automatically assumed that because of the nervousness within the economy uh, people would would be more likely to be drawn to things with a lower price point at this time and I was already doing my spring smalls release so you know, I was blown away by the support that my collectors have given me over the last two months. And, yeah, I mean, as of right now, we've put over $150,000 back into the community.
0: Needless to say, these are pretty strange days. What's making you happy or inspiring you or making you laugh right now?
1: Uh, I love sunshine. Um, I love I love seeing my collectors happy. I love my dogs. Um, I love binge-watching shows with my partner. I love um, cooking. I have some of my best friends who are in my quarantine, is what I call it, who uh, we've been spending long weekends together, and um, that's been really nice. But, um, I mean, this has been a really stressful, uh, very high anxiety period for me. And I have to say... The last two and a half months have probably been the most challenging of my career emotionally and um I think changes I needed to make within my company and hiring a chief executive officer and um making goals for the growth that I wanna have and um realizing my strengths and weaknesses and um you know, I'm I'm excited to start some new collections soon. So um, you know, there's that.
0: You've been listening to the Thriving Artist Podcast, an educational feature of the Clark Healings Fund for Visual Artists. If you've enjoyed this program, be sure to subscribe to new episodes and review your experience on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. For more information on Ashley's work, visit her website, ashleylongshore.com, or look her up on Instagram. For information on the Clark Healings Fund, visit clarkealingsfund.org. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to Jerry's Artorama. And thank you, Ashley. It's been really great having you.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: to